0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story, up at collegepartchurch.org. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegepartchurch.org and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Woo! No longer asleep. Nothing can hold me back, hold me down, because Jesus holds me up. Man, Can you high five three people and say, he's holding me. He's holding me. He's holding me. He's holding me. Without God, I'm nothing. But because of him, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. As you make your way to be seated, it's great to see you. It's great to be here with you. Man, I just, can you just tell somebody next, next to you, near you, man, God loves you. Come, come on now. Speak live. This isn't some motivational hype. This is, we're speaking life, we're prophesying. God loves you. God loves you. Because you don't know what your neighbor's going through. You don't know the backstabbing and betrayal that some of you have been going through this week alone. So someone near near you needs to know, God loves me. Had a hard time with with my wife and my spouse, with my kids, man. But, oh, God, you love me. God, I, I, financially, nothing seems right. Everything seems wrong. But, man, I can know and take it to the bank. You, you love me. And so because you love me, God, you're going you're gonna to provide for me and take me and direct me through every storm, every situation. If you believe that, can somebody shout amen? Can somebody shout amen? Can somebody shout Amen. 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 Woo! It's going to be a great day in the house of the Lord um, this morning. Um, if you were here last week, um, it wasn't supposed to be a series. It was going to be a, just a one-time message, but I'm going to continue and flow in that vein that the Spirit gave us last week, and that is you are a product of your environment. You are, can somebody talk to me? You are a product. If, you're, if you know it to be true, can somebody make some noise? You are a product of your environment. One of the greatest phrases or, th- spoke, or revelations that God has spoken to me, been preaching for like the, literally the last decade, show me your friends and I will show you your future. You can have all the passion, desire, knowledge, and wisdom in the world, but you are a product of your environment. Friendships, people are your greatest resource, second only to the Holy Spirit. We've been talking so much about the Holy Spirit over the summer, I want to talk about the next level of leveling up in your walk with the Lord and that is in the area of friendships. If you have your Bibles, if you return with me to the book of Luke 6:38. Luke 6:38. Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Cuz somebody shout, do it to me, Lord. <laughs> Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will it be put into your bosom for with the same measure you use it will be measured back to you it will be measured back to you another version if you break down the actual meaning of that scripture in the context of it all it actually means men will give to you men will give to you i've been living like i've been living in this thought in the last 2 weeks of how I am a product of the pastors and mentors and leaders in my life. In fact, one of my spiritual fathers, um, if I'm not mistaken, I saw him park um, his car uh, this morning. um, Is in the house, Pastor um, uh, Jeff White, the former pastor of College Park Church. I was high-fiving him and his family earlier. I'm a product of my youth pastor, Steve Wilson, who passed away last November. I'm a product of Kirk Risen, who was a former youth pastor, now international youth director. I'm a product of my spiritual father, Chucky Chandler, who was state youth director, now senior pastor. And Anderson, yeah, give him some love. He deserves it. He deserves it. Whenever you get to a place in your walk with the Lord where you say, I don't need no one, what you're saying is you don't need Blessings. Whenever you get to a place in your walk with the Lord, I'm good all by myself. What you're saying is, heavens, shut up over my life. Because a lot of times, nine out of ten times, God will always use people to give you your miracle. He will bring Elijah to you, Elisha, for you to experience your double portion anointing. David, he will bring a Jonathan when no one else cares about you he will take off his robe and put it on you because he sees what's deep inside of you. Timothy, he will bring a pause, a spiritual father who all all people all around you think you're too young, but God will raise up somebody who sees like God sees and doesn't see like man sees and will see that there is a spiritual anointing in your life and pull that thing out of you to see lives changed for the glory of God. So when we, say, when we say, I don't need them, and I don't need her, and I don't need him, what you're saying is, I don't need you, Jesus. In fact, the greatest commandment of all, the greatest commandment of all, is love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor. What? Love your neighbor. What? One more time. Love your neighbor. What? As yourself. In fact, Luke chapter 10, let's go there this morning. Luke chapter 10, and verse 29. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. Some of you, if you grew up in church, you've heard this scripture, you've heard this story, you've heard this parable many of times. The parable of the Good Samaritan talks about one man out of three men who stopped to help a broken man. One who was a beaten man, a stripped man, one left for dead but one man who was a good Samaritan came and he did some good things in the life of somebody who experienced bad things. How many of you ever experienced a bad thing, but the good one whose name is Jesus, the good shepherd, came and did everything in your life? Because somebody makes some more noise in this house. Uh, maybe if you read, starting in um, Luke chapter 10, verse 30, and you go all the way down to verse 36. He talks, about, he talks about two Christians. He talks about two God-fearing people or are supposed to be God-fearing people. And then he talks about the good Samaritan who stops, does everything in his power in order to see this man ex- be able to experience a change in life. And in verse 36, he asks, which of these three, would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Here's the problem with the scripture. If you're like me and you grew up in church, you hear about the Good Samaritan and you think it's all about good deeds. That's what a lot of us think. I need to do good if I want to be a neighbor. But that's not the context of the story. You got to read... Before that, in order to get the whole entire idea, why did Jesus say what he did the way he said it? The reason why he did it is because if you read verse 39, it says, The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Now, what is he trying to justify? Love God and love people. Come on, is anybody gonna talk to me this morning? Uh, of course he wants to justify because we don't want to love everybody. <laughs> I'd rather just love myself because I know I won't betray me. And I know I'm, I will be faithful to me. Now I, will, I know I won't be unfaithful to myself. And Jesus says, no, you can't, you, you ain't a bad just by yourself. You need a two-stranded cord. You need to be a three-stranded cord because a one-stranded cord, the Bible says, is what? Easily broken. Genesis says, we've been saying this over the whole summer, it's not good for man to be what? You know what's interesting to me? That, the, that our correctional institution, institutions understand this. They understand this. I was talking to Pastor Blake, who went to the um, police academy in Columbia, and what's crazy is that in our correctional institutions today, everybody say today. Amen. Not last week, last year, last month, or in Jesus' time. I'm talking about today. The worst people in the penitentiaries, the worst people in prisons, the way they, the process to which they take them in order to break them down because of their ignorance, because of their pride, their unwillingness to, un, to listen to authority, they put them in total isolation by themselves. They realize in order to break someone down, in order to take the hardest of hearts, the, the most messed up a mind, put them in total isolation and total darkness and a little tiny box for days. And then we take him out and what was unbreakable has now been broken. To which I say this in the most utmost kindness and respect to you, there is a generation of God-fearing people who are living in isolation and you wonder why you're broken down and you wonder why you're depressed and you wonder why you're insecure and you wonder why nothing seems to make sense and you wonder why you want to retreat and you wonder why you want to quit the ministry and you wonder why you want to let go of your faith. It's because you let go of all your other help through people. Through people. Man, I, I, just, I just went to, I, just, I, I told you last week of, an, of a crazy S9 situation in my, in my life in the ministry where I found out that a, a somebody, a close um, friend of mine or a close person, somebody I dealt life with for a few years, man, just backstabbed me and took conversations and took things out of context. And what I thought was a safe place ended up giving him ammunition to destroy me in every space of my life, and I remember, I remember coming home, and coming to my room, and praising God for his provision, but in the midst of praying God for his provision, has anybody ever experienced fears after the, in the aftermath? Can can we just be honest? You can, you can have so much faith, and still have fear, I'm going to talk about something that most preachers steer away from because we want to we want to make ourselves look good and look like you know we we don't have any problems and we don't have any issues or idiosyncrasies and we don't have any pain and no one backstabs us and no one hurts our feelings and you know what and, and everybody's always there for us. Oh man, I just heard one of my pastor friends. He pastors a church of 1,700 people. He had surgery in his stomach because his stomach ripped open, and not one person in this church went and visited him. He's like, smoke that, Pastor Mark. Tell me how you feel after that one. I remember just in my bed and um, a couple of days later and it was getting to me and there was my wife to encourage me. God saying it's not good for men to be alone. And I don't mean that just in the form of intimacy. I mean that in the form of relationships and in life, period, across the board. There was a moment where I broke down. I've only broken down in public one t- once, and it was just recently. And I had a friend come down, and, and he said, Pastor Mark, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger, and it convicted me. Thank God for people in my life. Amen? Amen. We live in a time where it's so easy to be by yourself. You know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, where you can just connect on, a, on just on a vast scale with many people. But the problem with Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat and all these things is that every response that you give is a predictable response. You have the ability at every given moment that you're about to text something, send something, post something, you can change it. But how many of you know, especially the generation, I believe my generation was literally the the tail end of the last generation of of having to be forced to have friends, forced to communicate, forced to have face-to-face confrontation with one another. Where back in the day, and it still happens now, that when you try to build a friendship that is face-to-face, flesh and blood, word for word, in front of a person, how many of you know, it gives not a predictable, but an unpredictable response. I didn't mean to say that. No, you didn't want them to hear that. But you meant every word. But because you were were there live, unable to edit anything, they got your heart. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The The mouth speaks. You didn't mean to hurt their feelings. You just didn't mean for them to hear it come out of your heart. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. He is he. We've been saying this for so long, man. It's like, you know, you're a product of your environment. You're a product of your thoughts. But there comes a time where you say, like the prodigal son, enough's enough. The Bible says that he came to his senses. His senses. That it wasn't a moment where somebody laid hands, even though God can do that and you've been totally delivered. It wasn't a moment where he read a book and he got this amazing thought, this amazing revelation, this wisdom that, tra- that man literally transcended time and, just trans- and, and and lifted him to a place of knowledge, wisdom, and, and, and ability. No, th- there comes a moment where it's not just hype and it's not just news and it's not just headlines. you got to come to your senses and realize my God is faithful. My God is the one he's going to provide. My God is my provision. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my help in my very time of need. It is my God. My wife, as much as she's helped me, as much as my friends have helped me, at the end of the day, God is the core bedrock of my life. But I thank God for my committed friends who are around me to be able to speak into my life. And if you don't value your friendships, and if you don't level up and, 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 and categorize your friendships, you will always end up frustrated, both busted and disgusted because you're like, man, man, I'm a two-stranded cord. I'm a three-stranded cord. But that two and three-stranded cord left me stranded all up the creek without a paddle. Why in the world? Because you didn't value your friendships right. Last week, we talked about the levels of friendships. At least this is how I categorize my life in the last five to six years. You have friendships leveled on, on, you have friends that are leveled up on, or, 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 or channeled in three areas of your walk, three levels of your life. There's the crowd, there's the committed, and then there's the core. The crowd, Jesus experienced with the 5,000, where he experienced, a, where he performed and he, and he ushered out an amazing miracle through a couple fishes and a couple pieces of bread and fed 5,000 people. But how many of you know the crowd's not always there with you when all hell breaks loose loose on you in your life? He had the committed. He had the 12 disciples. But the problem with the 12 disciples, just like there's a problem with the crowd, is the crowd, they're not there for you, and they're not there for what you're for. They're there for what you're against. And so we experienced this big time last year, this time in November, remember? There were people who were great friends. The moment they said they were for Donald Trump or they were for Hillary Clinton, there was World War III that broke out. There are so many people in this church who stopped getting on Facebook and Instagram because of the ugliness that people were showing from the abundance of their heart. Is it okay to go there this morning? Y'all looking at me like a deer in headlights, some of you. The moment you start talking about politics and the... The moment you start talking about people and the moment you start talking about things, man, it, you really see the people are really with you th- to the end. That's the crowd. They're flaky. One minute they're for you. One minute they're against you. One minute they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The met, next minute they're saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I'm not mad at you. It's just the way the world is. And if you don't understand this, you'll always have people that you think that, are core people in your life and the next many they're saying crucify and you're like, why? Because you didn't know that they were part of the crowd. They weren't core and they weren't committed. Because the crowd only cares about what you're against. And so some people will come in this church because I spit, yell, and holler. But the moment I talk about servant leadership, tithing and giving, don't be about yourself, just don't be a getter but be a giver, just don't eat, but get to a place and you walk with the Lord, you feed, they flake. I mean, Jesus experienced this, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They all left him. What is he saying? You take all of me, not just a piece of me. You just don't go through this Bible, read a book and say, I like this part of God, but I don't like this part. It's all or nothing. Look to your neighbor and say, all or nothing. You don't get to compartmentalize God's truth. You don't get to compartmentalize your your likes and dislikes, it's all or nothing. You believe the whole Bible or you believe none of it. That's why we have so many different types of religion and so many different types of theologies and doctrines. It's because people take a part of it, they don't take all of it. They like the part that God is a God of grace and mercy, but they don't also like the part where God says, you know, I'm also a God of accountability. I'm a God that wants you to develop some self-discipline, Mark Wagner. Ooh, that's a cuss word right there. I just stepped on a lot of people's feet, including mine right now, and the big corn on your left foot. And so what ends up happening, man, you, you get lost in the crowd because the crowd's cheering you on. The crowd is like, whoo, look at you. The crowd is saying, man, you did a good job. And then, and then you start speaking out your cause. You start walking in your calling. Everything that God spoke to, you start letting it, you know, come to the surface of who you are. And you start declaring it from the rooftops of every platform you get. And you're like, where is everybody at? Because they were the crowd. They were never for you. They were never for the cost. They were always for what you were against. And then there's the committed. Oh, Jesus, faithful 12. Or at least that's what some say. Read your Bible, you see an entire different story unfold in front of our eyes. 12 disciples who were committed to the cause of Jesus. Ooh, they were committed. How many of you committed to the cause of Jesus? Make some noise. Come on now. We say a quiet church is a dead church. Dead things don't move. They don't speak. Why? Because they're dead. But something that is alive is gonna have some type of movement. So can you make a movement? Can you make a sound and give God some praise up in this house real fast? Amen. Let's just warm up right now. Just warm up right now. And now we have the committed. And now we have the committed. The committed are not just for what you are against, but they are what you are for. They're committed to your cause now. They're committed to what you are about. They're committed to going out and giving up book bags. And they're, they're about going out to Armstrong Elementary and, and blessing people with Christmas, Christmas presents. They're, they're about, you know, going to the poor and, 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 and you know, in and, and soup kitchens and, and, and all that. But the moment, but the moment, everybody say, but the moment. But the moment you experience difficulty in your life, they break from you. And this is a very frustrating part when it comes to friendships. Distinguishing between the committed and the core people in your life. This is where so many pastors end up not wanting to pastor because they get it twisted. This is where marriages get twisted, relationships get twisted, UBFs and BFs, best friends and ultimate best friends get twisted. It's because we think core people are just like committed. No, there's a big difference. They're for your cause, but they're not for you. Remember, the crowd's all about what you're against. But the committed, they're, 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 they're for you. They're for the cause, the cause that, that you're for. They're for servant leadership. And they might agree with tithing. And they might agree, with you know what, by witnessing and personal evangelism. But the moment you experience hell on earth, they're like, ooh, I don't want to touch it. Jesus experienced this to the point where he, he only took three people to the Mount Transfiguration because the other people, other people couldn't handle it. Because they were only committed to the cause. They weren't committed to him. All they cared about, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's the strongest, Jesus? Who's going to be on your right hand? Because they thought that the cause that Jesus came out was to be able to topple over Rome. They didn't realize that God would say, no, I've come with the power of the Holy Spirit to topple your heart. I've come to topple your mind. I've come to the top of your actions. I've come to the top of top of your behavior. I've come to the top of your religion. I've come to the top of your, you know, every fiber of your being. I've come to soak you and saturate you, not just sprinkle a little me. I've come to baptize you. And the last time I checked, if I was a dump in, a, dump in the ocean, dump in the lake, every fiber of my being gets soaked. He wants to soak all of you. All of you. Because he loves all of you. He cares for all of you. Because God is the core person for you. That's why Jesus said, or God's word said in 2 Timothy, even though you are unfaithful, I will always remain faithful because God is core. God is, someone shout, God God is is my core. He is the only one the Bible promises to be faithful. Then why do we get mad at church preachers, and leaders, because we've gotten it twisted, and we don't understand God's word. In the book of uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus, he comes back, and he's preaching, man, love God, love people, man, that's the core of this message, that is the core of it. I'm not asking you, the, I'm, not, I'm, not just, I'm not just talking to the crowd, I'm, just, I'm not asking you just to be committed, this has to be the core of Piece of who you are as a Christian. You got to love God and you got to love others. Without that, you got nothing. You got someone shot, you got nothing. If you can't love God and you can't love others, you got nothing. And so here comes a man who questions Jesus, just like some of you question me right now. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. By no means am I getting angry at you because every one of us, including me at times in my walk, I'm not going to want to do that like in the future, I'm not talking about in the past, so you understand the context. As a pastor, there are going to be moments in my life, let me give you some clarity, that I am not going to want to love people. There are going to be moments I'm going to hate being around people. (laughs) I thought my wife shouted amen for a minute. And there are going to be times where I want to be all by myself, but that's why Galatians 2.20 says, crucify yourself, Mark. You no longer live anymore, but Christ who lives in you, live by faith, not by sight. Well, Pastor Mark, it's hard to live by faith because I have fear. And I thought because I've heard so many people preach, if I have fear, I don't have faith. The devil is a lie. The opposite of faith isn't fear. We've said this before. The opposite of faith is sight. It's how you see a thing. It's how you see scripture. It's how you see yourself. It's how you see God. It's how you see his covenant. It's how you see his principles. What are you seeing when it comes to your walk with the Lord today? How do you see your friendships more specifically today? Are you valuing your friendships? Because when it comes to committed people in your life, they will leave you one day when all hell breaks loose. Because here's the deal. When it comes to committed, you can have 12, but when it comes to court, you will be lucky. Everybody say lucky if you have more than two in, in your whole entire life. On average, if you get two or three, man, God has blessed you royally, if you can have two or three core people. Because here's the thing about core people. When you get a bad report, when, you, when the law comes against you, when everybody seems to be against you, guess what? They're there. They're not there now just for the cause they're there they're they're what I used to call DMX said it right or die baby <laughs> Right or die And if I make my bed in hell God David said what He's there. He's, there. He's there No matter where I go because they are core they're there I may not understand you right now but I'm there for you We might disagree over this one po- political matter but I'm there for you. I may not understand your heart in the moment, but man, I know if I stay alongside you just long enough, man, I'll understand and see the whole thing manifest because God is there. I want to be there for you. you. Jonathan was a core person in David's life. I just heard somebody just recently, um, last week I talked about when it comes in the era of friendships, they told me, well, David didn't have a relationship. I said, the devil is a lie. He did. I didn't say it like that, but... You know, they thought, you know, there there should have been a prophet. They thought there should have been a king. And they thought there should have been this. uh, No, he had this young dude. His name was Jonathan. Just to give you a little bit of context, he was Saul's son. Who was supposed to take over Saul's place in line to be king over Israel. And so here is Jonathan who connects with David and understands David's next chapter and what it's going to be. What is David's next chapter? What did the prophet anoint him to be? King. Okay, there's a little bit of conflict there. Because in the eyes of the world and what they see, Jonathan is supposed to be king. But God speaks a word into David's life and says, no, you're going to be king. And so now, here is the gray area. In the middle, stuck between a rock and a hard place. Saul, who was king, for 15 years is trying to kill him. For whatever reason. Pride, jealousy, anger, resentment. But the guy who should have had the right to kill him, Jonathan, is now calling David my beloved. Is now calling him essentially a blood brother in life. No matter what place in life he's in, Jonathan is right there. While Saul is trying to kill David and throw spears at David, Jonathan is making an escape route for David in order for his life to be spared. Why? Because I'm ride or die with you. I don't care what my father says. I don't care what the nation says. I don't care what the crowd says and what the People who are supposedly committed. No, I am core in heart. I am core in blood. I am core in spirit. I'm with you. And unfortunately, I've come to set the record straight and give you clear, clear thinking this morning. You'll only have a couple of them in your walk, a couple of them in your life. People that you can personally come in contact and really vent, cry, and give all, what is ugly, all what is raw to them. Because here's the fact. Jesus had his 5,000. Jesus had his 12. But Jesus had his core. Because there comes a time in your walk with the Lord. What is the bedrock of your life? The bedrock. Everybody say bedrock. bedrock. Everybody say bedrock. This, 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 is, this, is, this, is, this is key because a lot of you are trying to hold on to your destiny. But as long as you have people in your life you are only fueling your history, you'll never experience it. And some of you are living on hell on earth right now. Finances, in your marriage, you're living in hell on earth. And as far as understanding the call of God, am I really saved? Like you're really stressing it, you're fighting it. I know because I was there. Pastor Dylan was there. Pastor Blake was there. We all come to a place in our life where we worry, where we are pressed down with fear, where we are shaken with anxiety, and we have so much doubt that is unbelievable. And so I've come with clarity to give you a spoken word from God. How do we get through it? It's through our friendships. It's through our friendships. It's one thing to have an Elijah to an Elisha, because that's easy for us to pick. He's a prophet. I need a prophet to speak life into me. But a lot of times, if you're not careful, God will bring people from different areas into your life, people that you never expected to bring you peace and solidarity. I come back to the the text of Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. So many people think it's good works. But if you understand the history of where the people were living back then, Jews and Samaritans, we all know, despised each other. They hated each other. And Jesus says, in order to love God and love people, this is what it looks like. Loving somebody that hates you. Because God doesn't want you to be part of the crowd anymore. God doesn't just want you to be committed to the cause. God wants you to have a core, fundamental, biblical, bedrock truth inside of your life, inside of your heart. Because we're living in days and times. You know what's interesting to me? It's so interesting to me that the Pharisees and Sadducees back in the day hated each other. They hated each other. But what happens? Remember what I said about the crowd? What are they for? What, you're, what they're against. And two people that hated each other united with each other because they were against Jesus. Hold up. Before Jesus came, y'all hated each other and wanted to kill each other. And now I see in scripture they're getting with each other and they're talking with each other and they're uniting with each other in order to see the plan of God die and be crucified. That's crazy. And so here we are in I walk with the Lord, thinking, you know what? That when I get saved and when I'm filled with the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I shouldn't experience fire. I shouldn't experience tribulation. I shouldn't experience pain. Guess what? If you are a Bible-believing bedrock filled with a Holy Ghost person, you're going to experience the crowd backstab you, and you're going to experience people unite against you. You're going to experience a committed person like Judas betray you, but my God is faithful. He's going to bring some core people into your life to lift you up, to lift you up, to lift you up. To lift you up. Even Jesus had a committed person in the name of Judas who betrayed him which led to kill him. But I wonder this morning, how do you view friendships? What are you doing to evaluate your friendships? I say this because a lot of us pick our friendships based on where we've been. We see this a lot, you know, at you know, high school reunions. Anybody been to a high school reunion? Anybody um, still have friends that, you know, that you know you might hit up every once in a while back in the day, raise your hands? All right. Here's what's interesting about them. You know, you, you get, uh, you, you're kicking back. I, I don't know what type of, you know, environment you love. You might be at Starbucks getting your white girl fix, getting some mocha latte frappuccino. I don't know what it, whatever. You might be at, um, you might be at your house watching some football, and you call some of them to, you know, come over because you know the Raiders are going to win, you know, at the football championship this year because they look amazing. I don't, I don't know. You, you, you might just want to get together and play chess. Everybody has their thing, you know. Uh, ladies, I don't know what you do. Crochet, knit, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a girl. I'm a man. You know, I like doing manly stuff. Shoot guns. Hunt. I don't hunt. I like shoot guns anyways. I digress. And so what ends up happening a lot of times, man, you, you connect based on where you've been because that's all you know. And so you get together with friends that you, you were in high school with. You get together with people that you did life with. You remember, remember when we did this? And remember when we did that? Remember, remember when so-and-so fell and it was, ah, it was amazing, it was a so funny? And you're like, ah, yeah, it was, high and You do whatever you do. It's awesome. It's great times, man. You know, rem- reminiscent about the good old days. Everybody say the good old days. Unfortunately, if you are a person of purpose, you can only take that for an hour. I just be honest, because you recognize that the old old things are passed away. <laughs> All things are new. Here is the problem about new things. Here is the problem about new things. A lot of people say, "You know what? New things don't bother me." Bull crap. Yes, they do. Go to a, go to a new job starting tomorrow to a, with a person who's been there for ten years. You're going to feel awkward. You're going to feel awkward doesn't matter if you have the education, the experience. When you step on somebody's turf that's been there for 10 years, they're going to think, you know what, who are you? Who do you you think you are? Who who gives you the right to say that? And what ends up happening because you go into a new environment, into a new place with new people, with new things, because you don't look like them, talk like them, seem to be like them, it's confrontational. And what ends up happening is we have Luke 10 happen, and Jesus having to break the mix, that this is the place that I've called you to be a good neighbor to. It's in this area. I didn't call you just to be a good neighbor to your kin. I didn't call you to be a kin or to be a neighbor to the people just like you. You know, we have, there's a, supposedly there's a ride or something or a march up north, and Uh, Charlottesville or something like that where there's a white march going on and protesting against all colors I I want you to know at this church we are totally against that we're totally against that we're not about one color we are not about one nationality we are not about one ethnic group we are not about one we are about one person his name is Jesus Christ who said love God and love others is that okay to say? that's what we're about That's so what we're about. We're about all people. Letting them know you belong before you behave and you belong before you believe. Making no excuses, pushing through the pain and through the inconvenience. That is who we are about. That's what we're trying to be. And so here is Jesus trying to make the same statement clear to these people because they are so hard in their heart to be like Jesus. They've made it, they've, they've, they've made it a point or whatever because the Bible says and he wanted to justify. God already spoke. Funny how we can pray for God to speak. He speaks. I don't know, God. <laughs> Isn't he Jesus? Doesn't he know all? Why do, why do we question? and Why do we trust, try to justify? And so it's equivalent. This is how Jesus takes care of this. It's equivalent to you, Jordan. Hey, uh, Pastor Mark, hey, uh, who am I supposed to love? And I respond to you, well, there were two boys playing in a baseball field. Don't want to catch He never gives them an answer. He always gives them a story because he realizes no matter what answer he gives them that's black and white, they will always justify and make reason. So he gives them a story and you answer and you tell me what is right. What is right? Because if you answer it yourself, it can't nobody justify that thing. Are you gonna justify yourself? Here's one of the things that blows my mind when it comes to um, church. Yesterday was an amazing time in our book bag giveaway. Bruce and Miss Sherry Roschenberger, can we show some love for them real fast? Right here. Has a sexier ball head than I do right now. Him and his wife, they do our book bag giveaway. In the years past, we gave out like 100 book bags. This year, with some other staff, they're like, you know what, we want to believe God to do the impossible. We want to do over 200 200. Not only did they buy 200, they bought 250 book bags. And so you do the math, 100, 250. That is living by faith. Why? Because they have a heart. You know what? We're going to reach the neighborhood. We're going to reach people. We're going to reach people who are despised, people who are overlooked, people who don't look like me, talk like me, smell like me, Mm, smell like me, Lord Jesus. we're going to go out there. It was interesting. It's interesting the people that you surround your life with, what you see. It's interesting, the habits and idiosyncrasies and things that, and the nuances that are in your life, if you stay with a group of people long enough, it starts happening and imparting in their life. (laughs) Hence my two sons, Judah and Gavin. Because we had so many book bags, we had a lot more book bags than we normally have. We We had a lot more book bags left over. Unfortunately, to go back there, we hardly brought any more book bags back. The reason why is because instead of waiting for people to come to us, even though we went out to the neighborhoods where they're at, we started going door to door. Judah and Gavin led the way for me in our group. As I'm going to one door, I'm like, guys, watch me and then, and then do it like this. They're walking upstairs by themselves, knocking on doors and handing out book bags to everybody. Hey, we're from College Park. Hope you come. Here's a book bag. Hope you enjoy. Bye. <laughs> Not only did they do that, but there was a young boy, his name's Brady. He's been there the last three years that we've been there every year. And they followed Judah and Gavin, and they did the same. Why? Because you're a product of your show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I started looking back at what was unfolding, and I said, Oh God, thank you, Lord. For the core bedrock principles that people put in my life has not, is now, I'm starting to see it in their life. I'm starting to see it. We went to one person's house. His name was Mr. Tom. He had a son. His name was Mr. Ducky. He was on a life, not a life, not a life jacket. He was on one of those oxygen tanks. And um, he just started crying. This a black man, um, um, salt and pepper hair. Just, and he couldn't get out. He doesn't get out. And we're able to sit there and talk with him about the Lord. And there is Judah, there is Gavin, and there is Brady. And I'm just watching them. We prayed for him. And as I'm praying, they they came around and they started praying. We went to another door. We met Miss April. Miss April um, used to come to this church a while back. Um, Bruce and them actually picked them up and took them, took her to church. And then there was a season just recently where she wasn't coming come to find out what ended up happening was she had surgery from her head all the way down into her heart she can't get anywhere right now she's alone doesn't have a husband has no family lives by herself and we sat there with her for what seemed to be three hours just talking to her and watching her smile and there is judah there is gavin and there is brady doing it all over again when we pray you don't learn to level up your relationships, you'll never level up your life. You'll never level, level up your life. Your kids will never level up in their walk. And the people around them will never change in the, in the direction that God has for them in their life. Why? Because you are a product of your environment. If they don't see it from daddy, if they don't see it from mommy, church, if they don't see it from you, where are they gonna see it from? because God is gonna use people like you and me to show his love, grace, and mercy and kingdom principles throughout the world. I say that, and I say all those good things to bring out a bad thing. Just found out there's a guy who left our church. They left our church. Um, This guy left our church because of another person. While he visited, uh, he was visiting our church and the guy behind him was getting annoyed because this new visitor was saying amen and he was getting excited and all this stuff. And this guy behind him, who no longer goes to our church, told him there's no need for that, stop it. In this church, in the last year, right? Something like that, just, yeah. And they left our church. And what? here's what's crazy. If you're not core... you'll you'll float with the crowd because you'll base everything off flaky people instead of seeing what is the core message of their heart. Here's the hard part of that. You'll only, you'll you'll never see what they mean, what they value, what is core inside of them until you do life along with them. I say that as a segue to this next statement. And when I say this next statement, I'm not trying to, uh, trying to, um, shame anyone with this next statement. I have a lot of people who come to me. A lot of people who come to me. They're like, Pastor Mark, I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm ride or die. And I smile and I say, thank you. But only time will tell if you are. Only time will tell if you're really rooted. Because ride or dive means when a hurricane comes, you don't move because you have been deeply rooted in the soul you're in. Is that, is that good to say, Pastor Blake? You ain't, when a hurricane comes and storms come, you don't break. When people start saying stuff that isn't what you mean and isn't what you're for, when people start coming and they start giving you accusations, and they record your conversations, and they chop your conversation and take you out of context and make people leave and say all this type of stuff. Pastor Mark don't love people, and Pastor Mark don't care. I'm like, gum, I'll get a new farmer set if I have to and stand out there on the front row. Uh, I have Another person named, Pastor Mark, you don't need to be here. No, I'm going to be here because I want people to know there is no position low, low, low that I, that I, or, or no position in this church I'm good enough for. We're one body, loving one God, doing whatever it takes to see the body whole. And so people think, you know what? Oh, I'm too big to serve." One of our core principles are, if you think you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. We're here to serve relentlessly. Serving relentlessly doesn't mean, you know, I serve because I look like you, talk like you, smell like you. Serving relentlessly means, you know, I'm going to go to the people who don't look like me, talk like me, smell like me. People who might not act like me or go where I would go. I'm going to go to the places I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to talk to the person who makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to love the people, you know what, who most people wouldn't touch because they think, you know what, oh God, oh God, it makes me uncomfortable. Those are the people we've been called for. And that's what the whole Good Samaritan meant call to love people. You know how you love people? When it's uncomfortable. Yeah. When it's uncomfortable. I said all that to say this. If you spend your entire life building your friendships based on your what you are familiar with, you will always miss your destiny. You'll always miss your destiny familiarity always clouds destiny. Because your future is new, and because it's new, you have no clue. You have no clue. And so here we are on our high horses, acting like we know it, acting like we know and this is this is how you do it. We don't know! That's why God said, so you don't get confused, and you don't get scared, and you don't get anxiety attacks. Just love me and love people. When you do that, everything else will come together. Everything else will come together. Your friendships will come together. If you can understand how to level them up, Your future will come together as you realize that, you know, as long as I dip into what's familiar, it will always cloud what's ahead. So, you know what? Old things are gone. Old things, I forget what's behind me, and I press toward what's ahead. I forget what's behind me, and I say, God, I have faith to step out in what's ahead. Do do what you want. Do what you want. And so, you know what I found God? Where I found God the most, what I see God doing the most? He will give you so many people who will manifest in your life unpredictable response. To see how will you respond, how will you respond, how will you respond. I have a big issue with worship leaders as a whole, as a whole. It's not just College Park, it's everywhere, everywhere I go with. When I see worship leaders up on the front, again, I don't know if the worship leaders were leading, I was out front on the front, um, leading people in the, um, directing traffic. I don't know if it's the heat making me jacked up, but I just feel it right now. I have a big issue with people who are leading on the front and they only worship when they see the crowd worship. I have a big issue. Because including myself as a pastor, and I tell this to all my staff, don't I, Pastor Dylan? I tell it to all of them. You better be leading the front, the front lines of worship and wherever you're at. I better never see you with your hand down and you, you know what, with your sour puss mouth. You better be leading it with your heart abandoned. I can't stand it when I see leaders where they worship when they see everybody leading. You should be leading when nobody else is walking, when nobody else is coming, when nobody else is lifting, when nobody else is waving, when nobody else is crying. Why? Because we lead because we are core in heart for God. I am not swayed by people. I am not swayed by the crowd, and I am not swayed by the committed, and I am not swayed by the core. I am swayed by the power of the Holy Spirit and his bedrock Bible truth. As for me at my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to lift up his name. As for me at my house. I don't have to feel like it. I'm carrying my cross. I'm denying myself, and I'm pressing on towards the mark of the high cross. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of the heaven and earth. I look to the hills. I don't look to, the, to beside me. I don't look to what's behind, and I don't look to you. I look up, uh, to Jesus. And as I do, I find out everything aligns. My core friendships align. My committed friendships align, and I understand where the crowd is. I understand it. And because of that, I no longer shake it. But there comes a time we gotta renew our mind because we forget. I'm preaching to you because I have, I've been having to preach to me. I've been having to preach to me as I close. I wanna ask you this morning. The majority of people in your life are in your life because they can relate to your history, not to your destiny. The majority of people in your life are in your life because they can relate to where you've been, not to where you're going. You've come with the word. I pray peace that surpasses all understanding come into your mind this morning. For those of you who are living with so much anxiety and fear, and no one knows it. And you're wondering, why, why, isn't this, why isn't this person with me anymore? And why did he or she leave? And why did they do that? They were never for you to begin with. They were never for you to begin with. But praise God that they had a piece in the history of your life to build your life. That, AC, or that, that heater right there. I just remembered. We had an issue with it. We had to let a guy in our church, and he had this scaffolding. Now I went up to fi- fix that thing. <laughs> I liken that now to people who are committed. They come in your life, they'll build a peace, but then they walk out. And we get angry. They weren't meant to stay with you forever. They they were never there to be ride or die. They were there for that one small moment to fix that one thing, and now they left. And it's okay. It's okay. Stop putting a responsibility on them that God never put on them for you. And look at them and spiritually say, bye, Felicia. (laughs) Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Thank you, but bye. (laughs) Thank you, come again. Whatever movie, whatever saying, you gotta be okay. And realize that God is for you. Too many cleave to where they were at. At the expense of where they're going. So what ends up happening is they support yesterday and leave vulnerable their today and their tomorrow. And that's why it's been easy for the enemy to attack you. Because you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You can't fix your marriage, but God can. You can't fix your finances, but God can through you. He can give you divine wisdom and set up the right person to come alongside of you. You don't believe me? I'm not talking about, man, I'm, oh my gosh, man, just two days ago, brought my car to somebody to get fixed. I've been, I've been wanting a total gym. This dude gave me a total gym for free. I go to a restaurant the same day. This is like, what, two days ago? Yesterday? Friday. I go to a restaurant and all this food, and the lady's like, it's free for you. You don't have to pay nothing. What? Yes. You, you want to know why? Because <laughs> I've been praying God for our financial breakthrough. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Thank you. We saved money for our car taxes, and God, I've had new vehicles, or, or the devil, when it, when it comes to paying car taxes. I wasn't wasn't planning on buying a new washer and dryer. It's only stinking three years old. So there goes goes the emergency fund. I'm like, now I need my tires fixed. I need struts. and, And God brings a person in my life. God brings people in your life, people that you never expected. And he will bless your socks off. He will will rock your word. So how does that happen for me, Pastor Mark? Love God, love people, and everything else will come under alignment. Love God, love your neighbor, and you will experience a full life in Jesus Christ. You will experience a full life in your anointing, a full life in your future, a full life in your family. Get your eyes off what you see, ma'am. Get your eyes off what you see, sir. I know it sucks right now, but God is faithful. God is faithful. My heart breaks because I know so many stories in this house right now. I'm not saying you're not going to feel tears, I'm not saying you're not going to feel sorrow, but I am saying this my God is faithful. And can the people who know God to be faithful, can you make some noise and raise your faith for the people whose faith is low, for the people who are down and out, for the people who are questioning, should I, should I keep going? My God is faithful. Though He slay me, though He slay me, I, yeah, I will trust him. I will trust him. I may not feel him, but I, I don't live by feelings. Oh, God, I wish the, the church of God would rise up and connect with people and say, I'm right or die with you. 30 in the morning, I'm right or die with you. I got plans, but I, you know what? Terry, cancel my plans because I'm ride or die with you. Ride or die, sons and daughters of Jesus Christ who say, I'm not in it for what you're against. I'm not in it for the cost. No, no, I'm with you till the end because this is what Jesus did for me. I'm gonna do it to you as well. This is what God has called us to do. This is how God has called us to love. Not love like the crowd, not love like the world that 's why the disciples, as I close, as the band just i don 't know what we 're going to do this morning, I just I feel a heavy just heaviness in this house right now. Would everybody, please stand with me this morning, miss kathy, mr Mr. Credit, would y'all come, Mr. John, Miss Rachel, would you come and just Get ready. We're, I just want people to come down to pray. Pastor Blake, Pastor Dylan, Deacon Bruce, if you would come. Just if you would just stretch across this area and just look towards the people. There's some of us in this house this morning, you love Jesus. You love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus, but you're experiencing fear like never before, like you've never had. And you're wondering, how am I going to get out of this? You need to connect with somebody this morning. Stop holding this and doing this all by yourself because some of you stretch over here. Mr. and Mrs. Brown, would you come? Just stretch over here. Well, what are we, what are, what are we doing, Pastor Rucker? I, don't, I don't, really don't know. I just feel the Holy Spirit in this place. And the Bible says, let hands on them and they will recover there are people who have a spirit of heaviness on, on them right now. And you would say, Pastor Mark, my marriage isn't the way I want it to be. My relationship with my kids isn't where I want it to be. My relationship with my mom and dad isn't where I want it to be. My life isn't where I want it to be. Oh, God. But I want to I be a two-stranded, a three-stranded core this morning. I want to pray right now that my faith that my faith stand. I want, Man, I hear the prayer in the Bible where the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. And you're just needing somebody to link up with you right here, right now. I believe, but oh, there's a little bit of unbelief. Hell, God, help my unbelief. And you're saying, I need somebody right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, but you would also say, you know what? I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I've been the crowd, I've been committed, but I've never been core. I've let things in my life sway me every which way. Every, every which way, but today, yes, oh, yes. but today, I'm core. I'm right or die with you, Holy Spirit. I'm right or die with you, Father. I'm right or die with my calling. No matter, nothing. Oh, God, I'm with you, Jesus. Yes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you don't know Jesus, but you want to know Jesus. Would you just raise your hand all across this building? Hallelujah. Thank you for that hand. Mm, thank you for that hand. Thank you, for the, thank you for that hand. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love that is ravishing this house right now. Thank you, God, for your new mercies that you give every day that are showering this house right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for the grace, your great grace that is coming to this house right now. Those of you who raised your hand, if you would connect with somebody this morning, you would connect with somebody this morning i don't want to live life alone anymore but i want to i want to be a core i want to be committed i want to give them all and to those of you who are struggling you say i need prayer this morning i need prayer this morning my life isn't where i want it to be but i need prayer i want it to be where it needs to be would you just come and find somewhere to pray this morning